When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. If you are lucky enough to be alive in a body, when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, let it be your life that you lived. Let it be your authentic expression that you were expressing, sharing, exploring. You know, as a humanity, it would be helpful for us to get out of this illusion of seeking consensus. Like what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. It's like, we're really just ants in this experience. And, um, you know, life is happening in the moments and uh, finding the treasures that you've left waiting for you inside your own heart is really the key to a victorious life. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 229. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Welcome, veggie lovers, to another episode of Veggie Doctor Radio. Today, I have Julie Pyatt, otherwise known as Srimati, who is the wife of Rich Roll, and she is incredible. She is a very interesting person with an interesting journey and lots of cool stories to tell. So I think that you'll enjoy this episode, and you'll enjoy hearing about her plant-based journey, as well as how she got into making cheese. So who is Julie? Julie Pyatt, aka Srimati, is a mystic mother, musician, artist, chef, author, and healer who has lived her life immersed in devotion and expansive creativity. Through embracing a plant-based diet and deep meditation practice, Julie healed herself of a large cyst in her neck, which doctors diagnosed as incurable. This experience gave her an intimate connection with food and proved to her the miraculous ability of the body to heal itself when supported with pure whole living foods and a connection to the soul. 
Julie has created over 500 plant-based recipes inspired by cooking for her husband and four children. Many of these inspiring family recipes are featured in her three best-selling cookbooks, The Plant Power Way, The Plant Power Way Italia, and This Cheese is Nuts, now her sacred offering of healing for our world, Shri Mu, Do Life, Not Cheese. Julie adorns the mantle of the cheese doyen with pure intentions and powerful dedication to offer all of us a more beautiful life. She is a powerful living example of how to love ourselves more so that we can live our unique design in full and expansive self-expression. When we live in this frequency, we bless all life around us. In this episode, we talk about her plant-based journey, how she discovered the power of nutrition for her body and her soul. We talk about her yoga practice. We talk about Shri Mu and why why cheese? Why did she delve into the world of plant-based cheeses? We talk about her spiritual journey and what that's been like, meditation, and what she wishes more people knew. It's a great episode and it's a little different than what I usually have on the show, but I think that it's valid and important. So I hope that you enjoy this episode with Srimati. And thank you so much for being here. If you are a new listener, welcome. I hope that you will enjoy this podcast. I have so many episodes to share with you. And for those that enjoy the podcast, please share it with others. I really appreciate you. And now, without further ado, let us welcome Julie Payet Srimati. Julie Payet Srimati, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Uh, Dr. Yami, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's such an honor and a pleasure to meet you and interview you today. I've heard you lots of times speaking with your husband on the podcast, and I'm really excited to get into your journey and learn more about you personally. But before we get into some of the topics I'm really excited about, I want to hear more about your plant-based journey. How do you discover a plant-based diet? And tell me how you learned about the power of nutrition, not just for your body, but for your soul. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, I have a kind of interesting background in that I was raised in Alaska. I was born in Colorado and moved to Alaska when I was eight. I turned nine on the way up. Um, and my dad was a hunter, a bush pilot hunter. And so I was raised on game meat. Wow. So he would you know, hunt and we would eat moose and caribou and reindeer and goat and bear and salmon. And um, I have to say that um, I'm a thin person, so I never had to really, I didn't, there was never really issues around food in our family. It, um, I love my mother deeply and she was not a good cook at all. So there was not like the culinary experience was not great. And it was more like you just eat what you eat when you're hungry. And when you're not, you don't. And it wasn't that it just wasn't a deal. There was no emotional eating. There was no none of those ties to food. Um, and so um, uh, as I grew up and was in my 20s and rediscovered yoga this lifetime and started practicing yoga, my desire to eat meat dropped me. 
So it was not an intellectual decision or that I had done some research. It just suddenly, it wasn't vibrationally in alignment with me. And it was a very natural thing. It wasn't a big deal. I just didn't eat meat anymore. I also didn't drink coffee. And I also stopped drinking alcohol. So these were all things that just didn't make me feel my best, my most connected, my most um, aligned. And then later in my life, um, after I'm the mother of four, I had given birth to my fourth, my youngest child. And I developed this golf ball sized cyst in the front of my neck, um, suddenly came on, it was gigantic right in the front. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, like, I didn't see that yesterday. Like what's, you know, how do, where did this come from type of thing? So I went and had the MRI and had it checked out and I was diagnosed as a thyroglossial duct cyst, which is a condition that is common in children between the ages of like eight and 12. Well, I was in my forties. So it's like this, <laughs> it made no sense. Um, but what they recommended was a surgery and the surgery was not an easy surgery. It was a medium level. And they were talking about taking a cross section out of one of the bones in my neck because this cyst was fused. It can't, it comes fused between two bones. So there's nowhere for it to go. Like if they could have popped it or just, you know, I would have been all down for that. Like, fine, let's do that. But I had, um, suffered uh, complications from a tonsillectomy as an adult. And it was a thing where I went in to see the surgeon. He was like, oh, yeah, we got to take your tonsils out. You know, they're infected. And I tried to take some Chinese herbs, but I was not, you know, really well directed and guided. And he said, you know, you'll be down a week. It's no biggie. Well, I was out almost two months. I had referred pain from my neck into my eardrums. They had jammed the the breathing tube like down my throat in this violent way that it hurt my tongue. And I lost my taste buds for one year. I could be I could taste the beginning, but not the end. And the way I described it to the doctor, I, I'm not a doctor, so I didn't know that there were all these different areas on the tongue that are related to different notes of taste. And so when I explained it to him, he said, I know you're telling me the truth because you're describing how the body tastes, which I didn't know. So I could taste the beginning of chocolate, but not the end, the beginning of cin cinnamon, but not the end. So um, I lost like 20 pounds, which is a lot for me. And I could only drink smoothies. It was the healthiest smoothie at the time was Jamba Juice. So I was drinking Jamba Juices basically and trying to put the weight back on. I was readmitted to the hospital once and the pain doc would come up with the morphine cart and just try to mix something and it wasn't working. That's how much pain I was in. I was prescribed Dilaudid, which you may know what that is. You need a wet signature for it. And I, when I was in pain, I took it and had almost no effect. And then some weeks later, I had a flare-up, and I took that pharmaceutical again, and I literally could not move from the floor. I was unable to get up. So pain is a very interesting um, thing, which I'm sure you know a lot about it. Um, but anyway, getting back to, I decided that I was going to receive this cyst as a gift, and I thought... This is my opportunity to explore food as medicine and to really use this and not waste this experience. So I chose to uh, heal it through the use of Ayurveda, 
So I worked with a physician who um, guided me, a very simple man uh, who had learned this lineage, been handed down from guru to student. And he gave me a predominantly plant-based diet, but it was very specific because in Ayurveda, the foods you eat are extremely specific. So like I could eat sweet green grapes, uh, but not watermelon. You know, so it's not like all fruit is good for you. It's like, what is your condition and what is the quality of the fruit, the attribute of the fruit at that time? So he prescribed to me some very smelly herbs that I had to drink at night Um my family would run screaming from the kitchen because it smelled like sulfur, sewer, and dirt, basically. Uh, and then I would create um, like a paste. Yeah, a paste that I would put on uh, the top of my cyst and wrap my neck. And um, I had a lot of resistance from family members and uh, people begging me just to go in and get the surgery. And I just knew it was not my path. So, and I was... It was not di it was not malignant, you know, it was a cyst. And of course they were like it could become malignant, but I felt like I had a gentle uh opportunity. So I kept taking the herbs and eating off this diet off one sheet of notebook paper that he wrote in pencil. And in about uh about a month and a half, I started to wake up with hundreds of pus pimples on my face. And they were just full of fluid. And everyone around me was very upset by this. And they were like, stop taking the herbs. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's coming out on my face. Like it's, it's clearing. This is what's happening. So I stuck with it. And, um, and in a year, it took about in maybe like three months, it had shrunk like 30%. And this gave me a lot of inspiration. And I was like, I've got this. So the whole full process was probably 18 months. My body completely healed itself. It never came back. Um, something that was an impossibility, you know. And for me, it just gave me this experience of food as medicine. Oh, food is medicine. And I had never really experienced that. So um, later on in, uh, in our timeline with my husband, Rich Roll, um, at the time he was struggling. Uh, he's a recovering addict, uh, and he was struggling with just a lot of density and, um, um, I would say, unease in his body. And and uh, he, he just didn't feel good, but he was eating, you know, in and out burgers and drinking Starbucks with three ad shots and just like with trays of donuts and all kinds of things like that. He had been an athlete, and so he used to eat that way. And um, and for many, many years, I tried to get him to uh, come over to my way to, you know, here, honey, try this here, try this. And the more that I reached out to him, the more paralyzed he became. And I just I couldn't figure it out. Like, you know, my friends told me how right I was. I was having a lot of conversations with people that were telling me, you know, obviously I was living the more uh, expanded life. But yet my marriage was not transforming and he was not changing so I was working with an Indian master in a meditation uh, experience, and he proposed to me the, uh, the concept of divine love versus human love. And he said, you know, human love is a business arrangement. We say, if you act this way, then I will love you. And if you do not act that way, I will take my love from you. So... Um, 
and he said the 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 divine loves without uh, edit, without discernment, without you know, without cessation. And so the divine is like the sun that is shining without stopping. And for some reason, this really clicked in with me. It's like when you take the ski lesson from the 25th ski instructor, and finally he says something that, you know, that really resonates. And I just got it. It was like a big aha moment. I was like, wait a second. So I called Rich and I said, I'm so sorry that I have had my energy in your life experience. And I said, I release you to your life and I love you unconditionally. I realized he did not have to be on the same path I was on. He did not have to go down this self-realization path the way I was doing it. And if I knew that I was an emanation of God consciousness, well, then he was also now eating um, in and out burgers and drinking Starbucks with three outshots what, what, in whatever state that he was in. And, you know, I think Rich probably was like, what's going on? And he probably was expecting an ambush to, you know, overtake him because it was so like not in our, not in the culture of our relationship. And then, but he'll describe it to you that this act, like he could feel that I was not in his space anymore. He could just feel um, that I was not there. And suddenly he had to look at himself. Because before he was always pushing against me, like, well, it's her and she's trying to change me and I don't want to be that. And, you know, so there he was in his own experience. And then Dr. Yemi was so funny because one day this was in like I probably got this aha in August. So let's say in October, he says, babe, you know, I really want to do the cleanse. Can you help me? Like, can you help me to do a cleanse? And I said, yes, of course I will. And then somehow I was mind wiped completely. That thought never entered my consciousness again. And then a week later, he's like, did you get the herbs? And I'm like, no, this went on, I think for like six or eight times. He was so annoyed with me. By the time I got him the herbs, it wasn't, it was Christmas, you know, and he was still drinking this coffee, really using coffee, you know, as a, you know, pretty intense uh, drug, really. Um, you know, that much coffee. Um, and uh, I got him the herbs. I put it under the under the Christmas tree. And on the 26th of December that year, he started his detox. And he was literally shaking in the corner like he was coming off heroin. It was so intense. And I had no um, attachment or projection or thought form of, is he going to make this one day, one hour, three days? I just didn't, I, it was not my business. Like it was what he was doing. So I was looking at him in this awe and wonder, like, oh my God, look at what he's going through. That's crazy. Um, but it, it was completely uh, neutral, I guess. And so, so this ended up having a profound effect on him, this entire process. And he would uh, later, you know, he went through different, ver- different uh, sort of uh, phases of this transformation. But he ended up uh, finding this energy within himself, um, eventually from eating totally plant-based diet. Uh, and he writes about, he wrote a memoir called Finding Ultra, which is his story of, of his story and our story, his version of our story. And, um, uh, and he, uh, he, he runs a marathon in the mountains, just sort of spontaneously with no water one day. And he's just like, what is going on? Like, how do I have this much energy? 
So that launched him into becoming um, an Ultraman. He started doing these double Ironman races on the big island of Hawaii. He did a race called Epic Five, which was five Hawaiian islands in under a week. And um, his body was just uh, thriving, you know, in power and in frequency and all of that. And and so during this time, uh, you know, I'm not into sports. I don't care about sports. I mean, for me, I'm, I mean, Ultraman is different because you actually are racing, but I'm not one that tracks sports or finds um, joy in that. Uh, and so he was like, babe, you know, I want to do this double Ironman race. And I'm like, awesome, do that. But I had no idea what it was. <laughs> I, I had no idea the distances or like what, you know, what's required. And so our agreement, we had little, still little kids at the time. And uh, our agreement was you can train eight hours a day, but when you walk in that door, I'm going to the music studio. So it's like you have the kids and I'm out. And to his credit, like he never, he never slacked. Like he was with, when he was with the kids, he was on it. Like he was really grateful that he could do that. But one day he walked in, you know, I just see the door open and shut. He would leave and the door would open. He'd come back eight hours later. So he came in and he said, um, he, he walked by me as I handed him a child. And he said, uh, you understand, I just ran a marathon. <laughs> and I was like, sort of mid stride. I was like, uh, actually, I had no idea you just ran a marathon. So that sort of little interaction um, inspired me to make a love offering to him. I'm very good in the kitchen. I very good at cooking for large groups of people. It's, you know, just another creative expression. So I spent a lot of time um, making food. And whenever he came back from training, I would have this huge spread there. So uh, we were going through a sim simultaneous financial collapse during this whole time, which is well documented in his book and also um, uh, in our podcast. We've shared it for 10 years. But um, basically, uh, at one point, I, I had about 50 really good recipes. And I said, you know, babe, could you please just put this into an online product um, so that we can try to, you know, sell it. And we had no money to pay for a food photographer. So it was just pictures that we had all taken of each other because we're all artists in our house. So we had photos of us and these 50 recipes. It was called Jai Seed, which means victory to the seed, um, which is the name of my homeschooling uh, system that I created. Um, and uh, and uh, that that product started to feed us. So it was like $100 the first week and then 200 and then it grew. And then that would turn into us ending up, um, I published uh, three plant-based cookbooks, The Plant Power Way, The Plant Power Way Italia, and This Cheese is Nuts, all with Penguin Random House. And um, uh, I've created, I think, around 500 plant-based recipes. Um, and during this process, I crack the code on plant-based cheese. <laughs> and and that is how uh, Shrimu Do Life, my plant-based artisanal cheese line, was born. So that's a lot of information, but uh, that's basically how. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wow, that's so incredible. But I, I want to go back all the way to the beginning. So you're raised in Alaska, which is amazing because I we actually have a medical school here and some of the medical students that go to the medical school here, they spend their rotations in Alaska. And I hear oh, wow. the students preparing to go over there and they talk about 
they're going to be in very remote areas. It's going to be difficult for them to access fresh fruits and vegetables. And we talk about strategies. Like, okay, when you do your your monthly Costco run, get you know these freezer veggies and these freezer fruits, and we talk about different things like that. So you're you're raised in this like wilderness game hunting, eating game, and then during your yoga journey is when you kind of drop that need for meat. For you, was it just because of how it felt in your body or was part of it aligned with the principles of ahimsa or how you felt about animals at all? Well, to be really, really clear about it, it was a vibrational frequency that changed in my body and my spirit. So yes, that is ahimsa. It's nonviolence. But it wasn't an intellectual agenda. It was natural. And so, and that's what I, you know, I'm a, I'm a yogi. I teach yoga on retreat. Um, I tell people all the time, I share, if, if I was taking one thing with me, I would take my yoga practices because they are shelter from the storm and they align you to the true angelic humanity that we are like at the core. And so I guess it, I guess because I was raised as a child in this environment, um, you know, it was just the way it was, you know, in, in the young, uh, I didn't really like it all the time. Like, I, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know why you're eating what you're, what you're eating, or at least in, in my, in my experience. Uh, but definitely now, um, it is a, uh, it is a, a frequency because energy is a thing and we are, uh, what I want to say, we are interactive with the energies we consume. And that means food, uh, thoughts, content, um, actions. And so we are on a planet that ex experiences extreme levels of violence and destruction um, you know, killing, war, abuse, torture. And we are, those of us that are here, we are, um, you know, serving the transformation of this realm. And I would still, from my experience, I don't feel that from one perspective, any of us need to be consuming more violence. So, that's one lens of perspective that I would offer. Yeah. But it sounds like, like what you were describing earlier, it just felt like a natural transition for you. You weren't really putting a lot of thought into it. It just sort of happened and you embraced this alignment. Definitely. Definitely. And that, I mean, in my experience of being a mystic and being a spiritual seeker and, you know, explorer of transforming all energy um uh it's the spontaneous so when you have digested an experience when you've digested an experience it becomes a knowing in your cells so there, there's a difference between a state of being and embodying a truth that you know and reading something in a book or deciding in your mind that something is wrong or right or good or bad and so it's through the life experience. And the reason that I said perspective is that I am not uh, in a position or do I 
ever tell another life form what to do. It is not my it is not my directive. You know, I just I just explained I learned that with Rich. I mean, he was my partner and I was like, come on, like you're suffering, like eat the veggie, like, you know. But the thing is, is that we must respect people in their experience of life and they are responsible for their own, um, I would say, consequences, but not necessarily in a bad way. I mean, there it is it is up to you and you to reconcile all your decisions that you make. So um, that's that's on the individual. That's not on somebody, you know, uh, from the outside sort of dictating. So that's why I am um, I am an open arms, uh, plant rich, um, creative artist and mother that I welcome all all life into my um, you know, I save a seat at the table for any kind of eater. You know, Shrimu is universal. It's plant-rich, paleo, keto, raw, gluten-free, dairy-free. However you eat, come on, come in, join us. That's it. And then, it. yeah, then the the frequency will take care of that, meaning the, the one breath, the creator. Um, and any of us, you know, as we, you know, we know you're the veggie doctor. So, you know, probably the people that listen to this program, we all agree. But the thing is, is, you know, what we're doing to animals uh, on this planet for food production is the most horrific, inhumane treatment of a life form. You know, not the, maybe not the most. I mean, we treat our children, you know, the, uh, sexual abuse on this planet and, you know, letting our humanity starve and the wars. I mean, it's plenty, you know, but the the reality is, is that humans are humane. Like we're deeply feeling empathic beings. And when we are um, connected, even a little bit, even if you're not very connected, let's say you have a ton of issues that you haven't worked out. Still, if you spent two hours in an animal factory, you would probably not eat meat again. It's horrific. Like, why would you do that? So, and this is very different um, than my dad going out hunting. Um, and it's maybe one of the reasons why, I don't know, the vegan community ha maybe doesn't embrace me as one of theirs so much because I'm open to all, you know, and I'm not going to um, judge my father or create a big constriction, even though we were, he's no longer here, but we were very different and we had a lot of clashes <laughs> over many, many things. But he was a good, he was a good father and he was always there for me. Like he was, you know, with my mom and, and really had a lot of really beautiful qualities, kindness. And, and if he went hunting, he would fly his bush plane out into the wilderness, you know, land on a glacier, live out in the bush for three or three weeks you know, and then if he did take an animal, he would have to drag it down a river on his back and skin it and like hang up half of it and, you know, fly half of it out and then go back the next day and get the rest. I mean, you know, I was like, I think I guess you can eat that. I mean, I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to shoot an animal. But I guess if you're going to do all of that, you're more connected to what that meat is than someone in a modern society going in a store and buying a piece of packaged meat. They have no idea what it is. So at some level, you know, I have respect for him. I have a great respect for him. 
And, you know, when he was in his later years of his life, you know, one of his friends was like, you know, told him to read the Bible. And he like had this Bible. And I was like, Dad, put that Bible down. I was like, your church is nature. Like, I don't know another being personally that was in rugged nature as much as he was. And so I was like, stop, like, stop with the Bible. So, you know, we're complex beings. And um, one of the things I'd like to share is my dad ended up and I came together in his death and, and he experienced a profound uh, yogic death, uh, which had me laughing my head off for months afterwards, because I know many spiritual people and beings that I've had experiences with in the spiritual realms, but I've never experienced another one, another person die as profoundly as my dad did. I mean, it was like a sacred transformation. And my sister and I had him, you know, swaddled uh, with rose petals and washed his body. And we were there when he took his last breath. And I was like, Dad, you're going on the biggest adventure of your life. And thank you and bless you and go for it, you know, and we'll see you, you know, in another spot. And um, and so that was just, you know, a really, really profound experience. And this was the person who was an NRA member, like things in this world that I totally don't uh, align with at all. And yet here he experienced that. And so that experience gave me another really beautiful expansion of non-judgment. You know, we don't really know who people are. We're in this very complex sort of movie and somebody's got to play this role and somebody's got to play another role. And now in my life, Srimu um, is a global mission of awakening. And through this company, I'm creating a very robust business entity because it is uh, finally in my life, I've created something that's highly scalable and highly desirable and has a very large market um, you know, potential in the timeline, um, it, it could become a billion dollar company. It's, it's a complete possibility. So, uh, but the big why of Shrimu is I'm connected to a spiritual com community in Domenher, Italy. And it is a community that, that's been in existence for over 47 years. It was founded by an individual named Falco Tarasico, who uh, described himself as a being with memory. And these individuals at Domenher have built temples to humankind inside a mountain in secret over a 20-year period. 50 of them worked 24-hour shifts without stopping and became artists in the process. And if you guys go look it up, Google it, or include the link, Domenher, um, Italy Temples, um, take an online tour. It is a, an art, a work of art that is uh, just will leave you breathless. And this temple is in a ley line configuration that affects all the species of the planet in an uplifting way. But, and this temple is only 20% of the operation. So Falco left his body in 2013, but he left future plans for the next expansion of the temple, which is, a, we could call it a museum or a living Akashic record that is to house the indigenous DNA of planet Earth. It is to give all the all the parts of our humanity equal respect and reverence because as a humanity we must uh, show this we must experience this so that's a gigantic project it's an 88 million dollar project they already have the permits and wouldn't you know that my father Larry Mathis was his name he uh, was the Native, the Alaskan Native Association, he was their um, counsel 
for 47 years. And he built their art centers, their hospitals, their schools. And at the end of his life, he was trying to quit and they wouldn't let him quit. He was like, I can't see, I can't hear. And they'd still come and get him and take him into the office. So his last project was a $72 million museum designed by the London architect David Chipperfield. And this museum houses the indigenous artifacts of Alaska. And so looking now in the rearview mirror, I didn't know when he was alive that I was going to be contributing to this um, this museum in Italy that is connected to the indigenous. And my dad um, created a pathway for 47 years with this culture. And he was the owner's representative. They valued him deeply and they trusted him. And his job was to save them money, was to protect them. So, um, so it's a very beautiful cycle of life. And we um, in our choices, um, right now on the planet, um, choosing plants on your plate makes a positive impact every single meal. And it is, again, a way to enter into a deeper humanity, to um, uh, not ingest the more violence, not create more violence on the planet. Now, there may be cases or situations when somebody is not quite there and they need to eat some meat or they feel that they have to and we must respect them in their own journey and trust that they will they will arrive where they where they need to be all right y'all let's talk about power bowls it's the perfect season to get into a power bowl habit i love power bowls and usually i have one every lunch but really you can eat a power bowl at any meal what is a power bowl anyway One website described it as, quote, an all-in-one meal in a bowl that tastes great and provides abundant nutrition, end quote. Sounds pretty good to me. The base is usually a starch, and then you layer in legumes, veggies, and little pops of flavor. And then you must top it off with a yummy sauce. Y'all, it's the sauce that brings it all together. All right, before we get into the sauce ideas, I wanna list a few ideas in each category so that you can go make a power bowl for your next meal. Starches, brown rice, corn, farro, roasted sweet potato. Legumes, baked tofu, tempeh, chickpeas. Ugh, roasted chickpeas would be amazing. Lentils, veggies, roasted broccoli, my personal favorite, steamed kale, fresh spinach, sauteed mushrooms. My stomach is growling already. Herbs, basil, cilantro. I love cilantro, rosemary, dill. And then flavor pops, pickled onions, a personal favorite of ours in the house, cashews, sunflower seeds, and sprouts. So you get something out of each one of those sections and you layer, you want your base to be hearty. That's why it's a power bowl. Then the most important part, the sauce. The sauce has to marry everything together into a scrumptious bowl of amazingness. Some of my favorites are a cashew cheesy sauce, peanut sauce, creamy barbecue sauce, and they are all so good. But if you're in a rush and you don't have a homemade sauce available, grab a bottle of Bernie Wilde's Adventure Sauce. This sauce is so versatile and it just has a mild kick. 
It's also creamy, tangy, and smoky. It's really perfect for a power bowl. This week, I poured it all over my power bowl that included rice, baked tofu, and roasted broccoli. Ugh, it was delicious. Definitely comfort food in a bottle. If you haven't already tried this sauce, do yourself a favor and get some now. It's called Bernie Wild's Adventure Sauce, and you have good reason to grab yourself a bottle or two right now. My listeners get 20% off their first order of $20 or more and free shipping. Just use the code Dr. Yami. That's D-R-Y-A-M-I. Follow the link in the show notes or go to berniewilds.com. After you taste it, I want to know what you think about this sauce. Go get yourself a couple of bottles of Bernie Wilds Adventure Sauce right now and get your 20% off and free shipping by using the code Dr. Yami. Enjoy your Power Bowls. Hey humans, I know you want to eat healthier but feel strapped for time and even the thought of meal planning and cooking stresses you out. Well, have you considered trying a meal kit service? Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that make it easy to stick to a healthy living routine. Find recipes for every lifestyle, including plant-based diets. Green Chef delivers quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients, including low added sugar and sodium smart options. You get to choose from 80 plus flavor packed options that allow you to take back time in your kitchen with dinner ready in 30 minutes and lunch in 10. Try 15 plus new recipes every week. But here's the best part. Green Chef delivers everything you need to make convenient, wholesome, and delicious meals directly to your doorstep. Each meal kit includes pre-measured ingredients, as well as some produce that comes already pre-chopped and custom sauces that are pre-made in-house. They also provide their recipe cards and the meals are really simple to make. It's a delicious, fresh, home-cooked meal without the hassle. What I love the most about Green Chef is that it takes the stress out of cooking. The recipes are easy to follow and everything you need is included, so even the less experienced cooks in your house can make a delicious home-cooked meal. It's perfect for those seasons in your life that you're really busy with your kids' sports and school events. Hello, spring! And time is limited, especially if you want fresh, home-cooked, healthy meals to put on the table. So if you're feeling frustrated by the lack of time to eat healthy and you are ready to try Green Chef and see how easily you can integrate it into your healthy lifestyle, go to greenchef.com forward slash I am human five zero and use code I am human five zero to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com forward slash I am human five zero and use the code I am human five zero to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with products intended to bring your mind and body back in harmony. They consider themselves a by women and for women company, and they now offer a nutrient-dense green powder called Daily Nutrigreens. 
Myself and my staff here at Nourish Wellness all tried the Daily Nutri-Greens and we loved it. The Daily Nutri-Greens contain an immune antioxidant and detox blend along with prebiotics, probiotics, and over 35 fruits and veggies. It also contains other important nutrients such as B12, iron, zinc, and selenium. The Daily Greens are certified organic and all you have to do is mix it with water, but you can also easily add to your smoothies, your oatmeal, or your baked goods. The Daily Nutri-Greens are vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. And another bonus is that the packaging is compostable. Yay! When I tried the Apple Banana Daily Nutri-Greens, I was surprised by the pleasant and mild flavor. It was easy to prepare and drink and didn't leave any aftertaste. And I felt great afterwards. It's really easy to create a daily ritual around your green drink, integrated into your daily self-care routine. A green powder is one way to fill the gap in daily nutrition and is an easy and convenient way to get in your greens. These powders are a great way to add more nutrients into your diet during busy times, travel, and transitions in life when you don't have time or access to fresh green veggies. If you're interested in trying Equilibria's daily Nutrigreens, head to myeq.com and use code Dr. Yami, that's D-R-Y-A-M-I, for 15% off Equilibria's daily Nutrigreens and much more. That's myeq.com and use code Dr. Yami, D-R-Y-A-M-I, at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wow. Well, that's super fascinating. I've never heard of those temples or any of that, but I'm definitely going to look into that. But going back to the cheese, and I know that, I mean, I agree with you. I think definitely when it comes to cheese, (laughs) very scalable. So how did you, how did you land on cheese? Is it, is cheese something that you also personally love? Is it something that in your family, everybody was asking for more plant-based cheeses? How did the cheese thing evolve? Yeah, great question. So when I finished my first cookbook, The Plant Power Way, um, there's a very basic cheese section in there. But these recipes, I couldn't even get the dish plated and on the table before all the family was already grabbing it. I mean, there was, um, you know, I'd have to like, make the recipe times six, or I I wouldn't be able to get, you know, the plate on the table. So it was just this super delicious uh, taste. And I have a very sensitive stomach. So if I eat a handful of nuts, I'll have a stomachache right away. But these um, formulations that I started to create were soaked and they had cultures in them. And I just never had um, any feeling that I had overeaten or uh, my digestion was ever affected negatively, or my skin, like my skin was beautiful, my digestion was working beautifully, and yet I was eating these cheesy, full-body, tangy, tasty, you know, recipes. And so it was sort of like, I like to say the ink was still wet on the plant power way when I made the decision that I was going to go into the exploration of cheese. And I was advised by different business people, don't do that, do a smoothie book, do a pizza book. But I was like, no, I'm going to do the cheese. And, you know, they were saying, you know, it's really, you know, it's a really niche um, 
you know, uh, segment and you probably won't sell a book. And I did. And I sold it for a nice advance. And and um, I was really surprised. Um, you know, I approach life um, through um, an experiential sort of experiment. So I didn't go out and buy everybody else's cheese and start trying to see what they were doing. I just went inside my own experience. And I find that that is uh, a creative process that will bring many solutions to many challenges that we face as a as a collective. And I was very shocked. Um, I, I had a lot of a lot of disasters, which is not the same as when I'm cooking food. Like I can pretty much just throw anything together and it works great. But this was different, you know, because there were different it was more scientific, I guess, in a way. So I did throw out some pretty gross hemp cheeses that I tried to make that were big failures. And, and you know, I just kept, I just kept trying and kept trying and kept trying. And then what happened is I was able to create these cheeses that my European friends were freaking out over. And they would come by like, hey, give me some of that cheese. It would be. And so that's why I call Shreemu the next evolution of cheese, because it rivals dairy cheese. It can be on a cheese board with dairy cheese, no problem. It holds its own. But I would say that I didn't ask you to give up your love of cheese. I just made it better. I lived in Europe. I'm very European in my essence. I have many European friends um, and, um, you know, lived in France and and used to love French cheese. I have to say now that when I go back to Europe, which is often, you know, in the last maybe three trips, I've gone to really like the Crillon Hotel at the Place de la Concorde, and I've ordered the cheese plate, and I let myself eat it. I eat every flavor, and I go, Shreemu's better. It's actually better. It just tastes better. Because plant, uh, I mean, uh, dairy cheese I mean, a lot of it is like a smelly tennis shoe. It's not like it's an acquired taste. You have to like get into it. And even the, one of the funny things with Shreemu is that people that don't like cheese like Shreemu. <laughs> so I have one of my children who since he was a baby, he would just freak out if it was anywhere near him. And he loves Shreemu. So Shreemu really is the next evolution of cheese. Um and I didn't know that it was this huge business opportunity. Um, I was in fashion before, and I'm a very creative person. I'm never blocked creatively. I, my challenge is I have so many things going that it's how to organize them or how to uh, sort of embody all of them. Um, but with Shreemu, I created something that is highly scalable, that is simple, that is pure, and um and so I'm in this very exciting journey of creating a plant-based uh, entity that has, uh, you know, uh, definitely a, a timeline to be, to make a very big impact, I guess I would say. You know, and that's, and really for me, the core of Shreemu is community. That's that's really what it is. It's the connection through events, getting Shreemu in people's mouths. It's building the community with my team. Um, it's also, I'm moving the production of Shreemu to Memphis, Tennessee, to a vertical community called Crosstown Concourse. And this is a community of health teaching kitchens, art, artists in residency, uh, music creation, 
uh, refugee-owned global cafes, um, pizzeria, staff with prison reform. Um, it is truly a new thought community that is thriving there. And um, we are going to make that Shrimu's flagship and first wine and Shrimu um, cafe. Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. Didn't even know a lot of these things existed, but it seems very aligned with your work and your essence and your vision. You had mentioned before that your mom was not a very good cook. And then you've also mentioned that you're a natural creative. Do you think that you're a good cook mainly because you're creative or is there some other element there that allows you to create these beautiful dishes? Oh, yeah. I love my mama, but, um, and she's awesome. Um, she just, she just didn't grow up cooking, you know, but, um, you know, it's funny, my grandmother cooked, she grew, you know, my, my grandmother's, I'm half Texan and, um, in the depression, you know, my dad was born in the depression and, um, and my grandmother had a garden as long as I knew her. She was already very old when I was born. My, my lineage lives very long lives. Um, she would cook out of cook all day. She would, her, her bedroom was off the kitchen. She would get up and go into the kitchen and she would be there the entire day. And at 10 o'clock, she would go back into the bedroom. And as a kid, I was like, oh, like what a, what an existence. Like that's really thankless. And, you know, that was not appealing to me at all. Um, and it's funny that I ended up, I ended up being the one that was more involved in cooking. So I think it's, um, maybe it comes a bit from her. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, like that. Um, also, I happen to be born under the astrological sign of cancer. And I'm cancer in both Western and Vedic. And if anybody knows qualities of these um, sort of a zodiac archetypes, is it is the mother I am home. And I do have that frequency in my energy. Many people that study with me spiritually and my online community, Water Tiger, um, I hold a mother frequency. And it's not, again, it's not an intellectual decision. It's a it's an organic essence of how I was created. And all of us were created in perfection in a specific way. Um, so I think people want me to feed them. You know, they want me to feed them food. They want me to feed them spiritual energy and support and love. And I'm here for that. Um, and then I would say my experience is... Um, one of the chefs that I really love collaborating with is Diego, uh, Diego and Veronica. They're a, a couple and they own Love Life Cafe in Miami and they're both Latin. And, you know, he's the only other person that really can cook like me. Like we can really go, go to town together. And I think because I'm half Chilena, there's a liveliness you know, it's like if you taste a lot of the plant-based cheeses, they all kind of just taste bland. And and even the high-end ones, you know, even if you go to a high-end plant-based restaurant, you order the cheese board, it's kind of like, yeah, it always kind of kind of all tastes the same. But in Shrimu, my flavors are so varied, you know, like we have um, one of the one of the fun things that we have this formulation that's turmeric and pepper in it. And it's called Gold Alchemy, and it tastes like a ham, cheese, and mustard sandwich. Now, I didn't set out to try to make that, but through our connection to nature, um, we do a breathing practice before we touch the cheese. The people that make the cheese have the title of sacred makers because I gave them that title at the beginning to honor them, knowing who touches your food affects your food. 
So I infuse it with a lot of spiritual frequency connecting to nature. Then when we make it, we're, we're in that intention. And so gold alchemy, I feel like nature just um, did its magic and created something that is more than the sum of its parts. You know, we have another um, flavor called Bertie, which is an homage to Camembert, which is one of my favorite French cheeses. And this one is infused with truffle. Um, then we have another flavor that's called uh, Imagine, and it is um, infused with butterfly pea powder, which makes it this gorgeous blue color. It looks like a, like a you know an impressionist um, hue of blue, and that has a little bit of coconut in it, which makes it even more creamy and more pure. Um, we have something called Elder, which is harkens to brie. Um, we have something called Spire, which is marbled with spirulina, and it's got a lot of flavor profile to it, like garlic and some kind of lively spice. And so we say it's blue-inspired, but it doesn't really taste like blue cheese. I mean, blue cheese tastes like a tennis, dirty tennis shoe until you get into it, you know? And so, um, you know, I have a fresh mozzarella called Cloud Nine. This is the best mozzarella formulation that exists. Um, I'm working to stabilize it to be able to scale it as an entire uh, industry, like an entire a product. And that's just like the best caprese. Um, you can make smashed potatoes and put it on top with like chives and and even af offer a little bit of that black sulfur salt that has a little bit of an egg sort of hue to it. Um, so, um, you know, I'm sitting here raving about my flavors. I, I got into my flavors, but... Um, you know, there's just so much variety. And the other amazing thing about Shrimu is that you can freeze it. So the we the wheels freeze perfectly. So, um, you know, and it takes like 30 minutes for it to thaw. And it's just, it's the bomb. Like, it's just, it's such an amazing product. I don't know how it came about, but I, I think it's being open and really putting the time in. I mean, I've spent 10 years in the space when I tell you the thousands of hours that I spent in the kitchen. And, um, and I'm just grateful. I feel blessed to be the mama of this expression. And, um, you know, I mean it. I'm here for this planetary awakening. I believe in us. I believe in humanity. And, uh, and we know that nature is perfection. And so we can reconnect with her by choosing plants on our plate and from within have the transformation. And it's not about judgment. Like, come on, it's fine. Like we all, we've all participated to this point and now we're here and there's a new opportunity. And the other thing that I do want to mention is the power of plants to transform a condition in a short period of time is profound. Um, many, many people write in that they just adopted a plant-based diet and within two weeks, they're already seeing, you know, positive effects in their health. Um, do you have that experience? Like what, what, what would you add to that, Dr. Yami? Oh, absolutely. I feel that the main problem is that people do not know or do not understand the power of their diet and their nutrition. And once people go into it with trust and with faith, like you did in your journey and like, okay, this is going to work for me. It's, it can be immense and it can be very rapid in some people, depending on what conditions they have or how, how much into it they decide to get, if they go hundred percent and, you know, really embrace it. But I, 
definitely agree through my coaching, I've seen some amazing transformations. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you're uh, describing the cheese is definitely making my stomach growl. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely can't wait to try it. That sounds amazing. And I have to say, I was looking at the Instagram for Shrimu and one of the videos you have is you're making this like oyster mushroom thing that you were braising on a pan with and then it has like the cheese around it oh my gosh that just looked incredible i had to watch it several times in a row because my mouth was watering i'm like i want to cut into that and eat it so bad that is one of the most genius uh uh just offerings from mother nature and you know, as I told you, I've, I've done a lot of events and a lot of cooking over the years, and I do many things. I'm I'm recording an album right now uh, and just many, many things that I want to do. And so about a year ago, I don't do any catering or any cooking, except I do do some limited events, um, cooking in prayer. Hey, are you kind of curious about microgreens and including microgreens in your diet, but you're not sure where to start and you're not sure how to do it? I love my Hamama microgreen grower. It's so easy, it's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water and in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing and a few days after that, you can start eating them and it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them and they're really happy that you're eating them and your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part because I've told y'all before, I'm lazy. So I don't wanna have to use any mental energy that I don't need to, and they send you seed quilts every month. So you don't run out, you can change what seed quilts you want to try. So here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have. Hearty broccoli, refreshing cabbage, energizing kale, spicy daikon radish, super salad mix. You can even get wheatgrass, you can get culinary cilantro, or even hot wasabi mustard. So there's lots to choose from. They have different flavors. They're so cute and they're health promoting. So you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful. I also use them for garnish when I'm making soups and salads and different bowls. You can impress your guests. But like I said, it's going to be low energy cost on your part. And it's actually not that expensive either. The other thing that I use from Hamama is a green onion growing kit, which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste. So you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root, the white part at the bottom, you stick it in these little holes and then you just put the water in there and it grows. And then you can keep eating the same green onions. You just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food. So if you wanna give it a try, you've been curious about microgreens and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing. Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? 
join the Planscription. The Planscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this plantastic community. So I actually activate the kitchen as an altar and I... Um, I cooked at Living Tea. It's Mountain Tea Gate in Telluride. And I cooked for 36 people for six nights straight. And that, a lot of times when we go, it's the mushroom festival in Telluride. So you have these people just harvesting these beautiful mushrooms straight from the forest. And um, that one dish is also a dish that was um, featured in this a tea community called Global Tea Hut. Um, it's a part of a tea practice that many of us are joining in to drink these organic tea leaves together as a as a, a movement of peace. Um, and so I was featured in their January magazine. Um, you might be able to find it on their on their website, uh, globalteahut.org. Um, but I I have that recipe that that braised mushroom recipe in there. And it really hits all the needs of any feeling of something being cooked on the fire, you know, sort of hearkening to a meat type of experience without it being fake and gross and plastic, but really from nature. And we know that mushrooms are the amazing healers of the soil and our planet. And and so again, lovely to commune in with those. And and Shrimu is um is one of those things like you can just garnish pretty much any dish with a little wedge of it. And, you know, let's say that you're just eating like lots of steamed veggies and lots of plants and you just need a, you just want a little bit more, like you want something more luxurious over it. Um, you know, just even a wedge, like a one ounce piece of shrimu is just packed with protein and it will float through your digestion literally so easy and so gracefully. Um, so uh, I don't know if I answered your question or I just went off on a tangent on that mushroom recipe. <laughs> no, okay. I'm fine with it because I love mushrooms. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. All right. So obviously you're a deeply spiritual person, very spiritually aligned. I'm curious, have you been like this your whole life? Like when you were a little kid, were you like this or was it something that started with your yoga practice? I'm just curious about that. I'm one of the ones that just came in with this chip, you know, it's like, I, I was always born. I feel the same that I do today that I did when I was a baby. I don't feel different. And so I had this awareness of watching when I was little and, um, you know, no one is more or less spiritual than anyone else. We are all the same. So there's no, there's no, you don't need a priest, an intermediary, a guru. You don't need anyone. You you have a direct source connection if you choose it. Um, but I was always, you know, even as a very young one, I was the youngest of five kids. And so my family, you know, had stopped going to church when I was maybe six. 
And I, you know, six to nine, and I started catching a ride with the neighbors to go and trying to go. And and uh, I just wanted to, um, I, I loved it. Like, I loved the stories of Jesus. I was like, this guy is amazing. Like, I just, I resonated with it. And I have a very colorful, mystical journey through my life that included a lot of different um, stops along the way. You know, I became a born again Christian at age 11 without my family. How that happens, I have no idea. Being a mother of four, like, where was my mom? Where were these people <laughs> that were supposed to be watching me? Uh, but I also spent hours in the wilderness in Alaska, completely unsupervised as a young child. <laughs> like, no, no cell phone, no water, no even food. You know, we would just go and there were bears and all kinds of things. And you know, go out with like a couple of my friends. It was like, um, you know, stand by me pack, you know, really, really had our shit together. And we would just go. I mean, we could have drowned. We could have fall cl fallen off cliffs. I mean, we had many close encounters. Um, but I also think that that experience connected me to nature and to creativity and gave me this sort of, I don't know, I had, I had a rough city um, also acclimation growing up in Anchorage because, it was a drug gateway to Asia. And, you know, I had a lot of experience experimenting with drugs at a very young age, which I do not recommend. So, you know, I've, I've been in the dark places and um, lived a full human life of many experiences. So, but for me, um, my pursuit is always what is beyond the body and, and how does the spirit interact with the body and um, we're in a very beautiful moment of planetary transformation right now. So this is the time that we maybe took a body for to participate in this expansion. And I think it's important to cultivate the awareness that we are eternal life forms. The human being is eternal. It is not lights out after this incarnation. And so um, we there is a universal accounting that is always at play, and not only through this life, but through multiple lifetimes that if you could even say they are simultaneously occurring. Um, so no one gets away with anything. You can't hide from yourself. Uh, we all come from the one. And so it's really one force that is living through each one of us in this very unique way. And so um, uh, if you are lucky enough to be alive in a body, when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, let it be your life that you lived. Let it be your authentic expression that you were expressing, sharing, exploring. Um, and, um, you know, as a humanity, it would be helpful for us to get out of this illusion of seeking consensus. Like what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. It's like, we're really just ants in this experience. And, um, you know, Life is happening in the moments and uh, finding the treasures that you've left waiting for you inside your own heart is really the key to a victorious life. Wow, that's so beautiful. And to know that you've had that awareness and that connection for your whole life as you're going through this lifetime, it's just incredible. To It feels like an advantage to me, but obviously we're all here by our own choice in different ways. So, but that's really cool. So tell me about meditation. When did you start meditating and how has that evolved over time? 
Yeah. So, um, so my travels led me to discover yoga in my later twenties, like mid to late twenties. Um, and that just changed everything. So, you know, often when I mentor people and they'll say, you know, I'm really upset because I haven't, I haven't been, um, pursuing my spiritual, you know, energy. I, I often offer the perspective, well, you're so, you're so efficient because right now all the energy is supporting you in that expansion. So maybe you were just smarter than I was and you decided to tune it, tune it on right now. Um, but, um, uh, Meditation, so began with that, but it really began with an asana practice. And this is something that I think is important. So asana or meditation, I'm sorry, asana or yoga practice is not the same as exercise. It's not like running. It's not, it's just not. This is an ancient language that you are creating with sort of shapes in your body that activate a certain connection to the one breath that is breathing. So it was after a very robust asana practice with a group and a community that, you know, I went multiple times a week and, you know, we're sweating buckets and just really getting into the body. And then after some time that started to ignite this deep desire to merge with consciousness, with grace, with the breath, with the force, with God, whatever you want to call it. And so, you know, many different yoga practices I've tried over the years, and I've studied with different Indian masters and, you know, been in rooms for long periods of time, you know, where you're just meditating and you're having to go through your body being really uncomfortable or, you know, your mind fighting. And so it's been a long journey, you know, a long journey of, of uh, sort of seeking. And um, this has led me to create my online mentorship program, which is called Water Tiger. And what occurred to me after living many years in this life, um, that I realized that uh, the spiritual perspective or the spiritual wisdom that would be given from any one life form was colored by that unique perspective. And so I wanted to create something that was beautiful, that was helpful, that was useful, and that would apply to a wide, a wide range of humanity, like no matter where you come from. So Water Tiger is a way to no way. Um, it is a sphere. I call it a living sphere of techniques that um, if you connect with my voice, if you find my voice pleasing, and if you feel uh, like some of what I've spoken about is, you know, uh, resonating with you, I have this platform where you can go in and you choose which technique you use. So there's no program. It's not like step one and then by step five, you've achieved X. We're all completely different. So there are different meditation techniques that guide you into yourself because we live in a in a modern world. And unless you've had a med um, an asana practice or a meditation practice, when you sit down to meditate, most of us are not meditating. We're fighting. You're just, you're like, okay, I got to meditate. It's 20 minutes. You know, the kids are screaming, you know, I've got to make dinner or I have a meeting and then, oh, I'm going to meditate. And then your mind's just like, and you're thinking about the list. And so was that meditating? Not really. You were trying to meditate, you know? So, um, you know, these techniques in Water Tiger can assist you to lead you in and then drop you so that then you can be quiet. Um, and again, 
it's a practice. So we're not killing the ego. We are in a body. If you're in a body, you have an ego. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Um, so we're not killing the ego. We're not fighting the mind. We're continually coming back to the practice, which is the breath, which is the presence, cultivating presence in the moment. And in my experience of being a mom of four and you know doing all the things that I do, I arise in the middle of the night to make this contact. Because if I don't do it, everything's too loud. It There's never the time. And so, you know, it's not, I don't set an alarm clock. I don't have an agenda. I don't have a discipline. I have a deep desire and devotion, which guides my life. And so I will be woken up at 3.30, 4 in the morning to sit. And then I'll sit. I'm like, oh, it's time for me to sit. And then I might sleep, then I might not wake up for a week. But um, having this desire is what starts to bring it into your life and remembering that we are all spiritual beings having a human experience. I would even say we are multidimensional beings having a simultaneous experience. So this is not that any, anyone else has the corner on spirituality. You know, you're, you're a miraculous divine life form because you're breathing right now. Um, so um, meditation is a profound um, state um, that has many, many levels and uh, it's not a contest and you know, I don't know. I don't know if you can do it on an app. I mean, a lot of people have apps. I wonder. I don't know. I guess you have to answer for yourself for that. But um, uh, yoga and meditation, if you can find a practice in your community, a teacher, uh, I would go there and try to find someone that can give you a foundational teaching. Um, and this will guide you in the intense transformation that is going to be happening increasingly on planet Earth. Um, I also just am remembering I have a yoga program on iFit, which is this fitness platform. It's a four-part series, deeply spiritual. It was filmed in Dominher in some of the temples that I told you about and also in my home in Malibu. Um, one is about transforming a grief into awareness, which I think many of us can use that uh, assistance right now. Many of us have lost loved ones, have taken their transition during the last three years. Um, one is about uh, basically vitality in the body. One is about living a victorious life. So that means connected to the, the truth of who you are. And the other one is trauma into treasure. So how do you take your trauma and make it your greatest gift? So um, those are some of my thoughts about meditation. My goodness, that's so amazing. And just like you're saying, very profound, beautiful. And I love that you're sharing this with us. I have one last question for you before I ask you to give us all of your contact and everywhere people can find your cheese and your books and everything. What do you wish people knew? Wow, um, that's a profound question. Uh, I wish people knew uh, that they are divine emanations of the one breath. Beautiful. I love <laughs> it. Well, Julie, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. This is beautiful. Yes, thank you. I am really honored to meet you and learn from you and hear your life journey. It's been incredible. I know that we could talk a lot more, but before I let you go, 
if you could just tell my listeners where they can connect with you and where can we find your cheese and your books and all of your wonderful offerings. Yes, thank you so much. So for all things that I do, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Srimati, S-R-I-M-A-T-I. And Srimudu Life is also on Instagram. You can go there and check out all the beautiful photos and 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 videos and things that we have. It's at Srimudu Life. That's S-R-I-M-U Do Life. So it's like Divine Cal, Divine Srimu. Um, at Srimu.com, you can uh, check out all of our subscription offerings. So we are primarily a subscription offering. We're in limited wholesale. Um, but we have um, 10 box offerings of different um, different flavors. And so um, I invite you to go to the site, check it out. I want to offer a code to your listeners. Um, if we could uh, maybe uh, give you the code YAMI18. So it's going to be uh, Y-A-M-I-18. And you can get 18% off of any subscription offering. Um, also, we now just have a money back guarantee. Uh, people freak out when they taste Shreemu wherever we go. So we've added that if you if you order it and you don't like it, we will refund your money. Um, no no questions asked. Um, so anyway, check that out. But understand it's a it's a perishable product. So if you want it for Thanksgiving and for the holidays, there is a cutoff time. You know, you can't just order it the day before. You won't get it. So go to the site now, check it out, and um, plan your orders um, and email us for any customization or any questions that you have. We have amazing teams that will um, get back to you on all of that. Um, yeah, and if you want to work with me um, spiritually, uh, I have this community, Water Tiger. It's at juliepyatt.com. And just click on Water Tiger, and it'll tell you all about the monthly subscription community. It's an international community. Uh, it's currently about 300 members. And again, you don't be overwhelmed because it's, you're not encouraged to interact with the other individuals. We only um, do it on a monthly call. I give like a satsang or like a spiritual talk every month about planetary events. And then I take questions. Um, so anyway, and and a new technique almost every month. So there's a lot in there already. Um, the techniques have been transformative and very supportive to uh, many people. So it's been a real blessing. And um, and I guess that's it for, for now. Just stay tuned on Instagram and for all the things. Um, I'm going to be doing multiple retreats next year. So I take groups to um, Italy for the Plant Power Way with Rich Roll in May. I'll be going to the Arctic Circle in June. I'll be at Reset Telluride in August. I'll be in Gargano, Italy for a Dom and Her um, spiritual mission in uh, September. And I'll be back in Egypt in November. So I'm leaving for Egypt next week. I'm taking a group there for a pilgrimage. So um, so there's lots of, lots of things wow. in lots of ways. <laughs> that sounds incredible. And for the cheese, it doesn't sound like you can order too early because you can freeze it. So if you want to make sure you have it in time for Thanksgiving, you can always freeze it and then just thaw it that morning. Definitely, definitely. And it'd be just, you know, go check it out. You might want to order like a smaller box and then do some tastings and sort of plan your menu. Um, the other thing is we have a lot of recipes on the website at shrimu.com. Beautiful, beautiful recipes. And the thing that Shrimu does offer too is it it levels up your meals into five-star dishes. You, you know, you can make a risotto and add 
it at the end and just fold it in and suddenly you've got this next level experience. So many, many, many dishes, tacos, lasagnas, um, many things, cheesecakes, many things you can make. Oh man, I'm definitely going to have to go eat after this. I am so hungry now. Well, Julie Srimati, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence and thank you for everything that you do. We appreciate you so much and I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Thank you, Dr. Yami and blessings and love to everyone. Namaste. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.